Good morning, everybody. I am no volleyball expert, but I do know that uh, serving is important in that sport, right? It's the first move. That's the thing that starts the game. Every player needs to know how to do it. Everybody needs to know how to handle it, receive it, respond to it. It's absolutely essential to know how to serve. And without good serving, it's pretty hard to win. And actually, do we have any UCLA fans in the room today? The U okay, yeah, there you go. UCLA men's volleyball, currently ranked number one, I don't know if you knew that, in the nation, record of 19 and two, very strong. And after a match just a few days ago, earlier this week, the Daily Bruin had this to say about the team. Serving has been make or break for the Bruins in recent days. During its matchup against number four, Penn State, the blue and gold tallied 10 service errors in the first set alone, ultimately facing its first and only loss of the season so far. Then their setter, Andrew Rowan, had a great quote following up by saying, serving can be our greatest asset or biggest downfall. When we serve well, we are great. When we don't, the game's a little tougher. I really do believe that the same thing is true in the church. Serving is crucial, and a church with no serve can't succeed. But I believe the more we work on it, the more we can help build the body of Jesus Christ. I hope that's what we can do today. Take a really good look at what it means to serve, why we serve, and then some specific ways that we can uh, get into it in the season ahead. You know, interestingly, the UCLA coach also mentioned in the same article that it's really important to him for the team to break down the film and kind of analyze why is our serve falling apart? Why is that part of our game uh, so up and down sometimes? And so, uh, so that they could build it back up. And I think that that might be a good spot for us to start as well, to think about some of the reasons that maybe you and I try to serve, but we still feel burned out sometimes, or we have moments of discouragement, disappointment, even hurt or frustration, or maybe even want to just go back to the sideline and kind of quit. So let's take a look at why our serving might be struggling. I'll uh, get the ball rolling by confessing, this is embarrassing, but I'll admit, I have totally said yes to ministry opportunities and projects in the past, not today, but in the past, because I want to get noticed or because I want to be seen as smart or a hard worker, you know? I don't like admitting that. I wish those were definitely not my motives. Uh, but I wonder if anybody in here can relate to something like that. I wonder if others of us serve for different reasons, like maybe when a pastor asks us to serve, we feel extra pressure to say yes and then smile and pretend that we like it. I see some of you nodding along with that. I'm sorry. Um, maybe if our buddy signs us up for, uh, for a ministry, we just have to go along with that because if we... If we don't, we'll be perceived as a bad friend, you know, or maybe our spouse roped us into something. We're like, Ugh, I don't want to serve, but that's, that motivates us. Maybe some of us serve, unfortunately, from a place of guilt or shame. You know, I do this because I, I actually feel like I'm a terrible person and uh, serving is going to give me a sense of maybe balancing the scales or working my way out of that troubled past. Maybe we serve for self-righteousness, like I want to show other people or prove to myself that I, I really actually am a good Christian. See, you know? So my sense of goodness and rightness comes from how much I can accomplish at church or how many hours I spend here on the, on the church building throughout the week. Some of us probably serve out of a sense of just duty. You know, I know this is my job. This is what I'm supposed to do. I don't know why. I don't even care why. I just, I know I need to do it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and be a dutiful servant. Maybe we serve out of a place of debt. If I do enough good things, then maybe God will forgive me or finally see me as a decent person. Somebody shared with me last week their reasons and how they surfaced, how those motives were revealed. When, when she was younger, she served in the four-year-old Sunday school class in another church. And she signed up for this with the reasoning that, you know, kids are cute. This is going to be a fun serving opportunity, snacks like graham crackers and stuff. And we get to talk about Jesus. It's going to be nice, generally a nice ministry to serve in. But her real reasons came to the surface when she didn't get the thing that she actually wanted. It was interesting. And that was affirmation from the kids' ministry director. Nobody was giving her recognition. There were no pats on the back. And quickly that desire to serve faded and she became kind of grumpy and disappointed and wanted to throw in the towel. 
Now, of course, we need to be really encouraging and affirming in ministry. That's a really important piece of, that makes the church go. I think we should be speaking strength into each other so that we can serve better. But if we serve God for just those reasons alone that we talked about, we're not actually serving God, are we? Serving ourselves or an idol of reputation, of prestige, uh, maybe attention or wanting to feel included in something. Now, please understand, I'm totally not trying to be hurtful here. I'm not even trying to call people out. I just really believe, coming into this message, that the Lord wants to help us diagnose the disappointment, the pain, maybe the loss, frustration that can come from serving for the wrong reasons. He doesn't want us to be hurt and discouraged by these things. I even want to caution us from serving for the good but insufficient reasons. Some of us might serve just because I like helping, or because I feel compelled by the, the projects or the mission or the causes that the church is investing in right now. Or because we want to connect with other people. We're relational and serving on a team might help me to you know, make some friends. Those are, those are good and fine reasons. There's nothing wrong with those. But they may not be enough in the long term. They can sometimes fall through. Even those reasons as good and right as they are, they can kind of be like water in the gas tank and lead to us just sputtering out and pulling off to the side of the road and saying, I'm out. Because needs come and go, don't they? Our feelings toward the church can kind of be shallow and shifty sometimes, hot and cold. You know, people and vision, that can change throughout the years. The projects will kind of come and go. And so we really do need something uh, that's solid and lasting. We need a motive that can stand up constantly, always work and, and be consistent through our disappointments and disillusionment. And so to find that, I want to invite you to, to work on this question with me of what is serving then? I think that's going to give us the key to finding the right motives. What is serving? Is serving just doing stuff at church? Is it just generally the activity that happens here and makes this whole thing go? Well, that's kind of part of it. Uh, but I believe the Lord wants us to have an even clearer picture, uh, a more comprehensive, fuller vision of what serving is. And so to get there, let's look at the Old Testament, the idea of covenant. Covenant, simply put, is a serious, structured, relational commitment. And during the history and the authorship of the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, covenants were modeled after Hittite suzerain vassal treaties. You've probably come across the name the Hittites in your Old Testament reading. It's a people group. It's an empire. And they were, um, they were a people who, in Bible times, just had a helpful way of structuring agreements uh, between the um, super king and a junior king, or like an emperor and a regional leader governor type of character. They, they, they had to have a covenant, an agreement, to, to make sure that they're all on the same team. There's an example we'll put up on the screen of a treaty between the Hittite king and this regional Wilusa leader. Hittite, uh, the Hittite empire is modern day Turkey and the Wilusa people were where Troy is on the, the west side. And this agreement, I don't expect anybody to read that, I don't even know how to read that, but this agreement says basically you'll serve me the super king is saying to the junior king, you're going to serve me, uh, and you're going to send me tribute, gifts, maybe some, some resources, finances, some lumber, gold, things like that. And then in return, uh, I'll offer you the protection of my army. I'll give you peace and security. That's going to be our covenant, our agreement, right? And now those things that the junior king, the subordinate party, is supposed to do, those are called stipulations, covenant stipulations. This is such a big deal in biblical studies. We, we don't have time to go into all of this, but uh, pin it in your mind uh, for the future. But this is such a big deal now because this is the back, backbone of the whole Bible. Uh, it helps us to understand our relationship with God, who we're supposed to be. What I mean by that is this whole covenant stipulation thing explains why Adam and Eve and Noah and his sons are uh, told in Genesis to rule over creation and exercise dominion over it because we as people are supposed to be that junior king. Does that make sense? God is the super king, we are the junior, and that's why he says, rule, exercise dominion, be in charge. This explains why Abraham, in his covenant with the Lord, was instructed to inhabit a specific land, place, to trust the Lord, to make him into a big family, to institute the sign of circumcision. 
This is exactly what's happening when God says to Moses on Mount Sinai, the Hebrews, don't have any other gods before me. Remember the Sabbath. Honor your parents. Uh, Don't murder and cheat and steal. And this is how you stay clean and how you're supposed to treat people. And these are the holidays you observe. Those are covenant stipulations. And I'm saying all this because one key summary word for stipulations throughout the Bible is serve, serving. When we obey God, when we carry out our part of our covenant with him, when we live by his law and obey his commandments, we are serving him. Might sound like kind of a weird, different angle on serving, but let me give you a couple examples of where we see this in scripture. The idea shows up in Exodus when God's people are about to experience this dramatic, powerful, miraculous deliverance of God to rescue them from serving an inhumane, evil slave master in Egypt, Pharaoh, right? And then be transferred, rescued over to serving the good and holy and loving, caring, protector God, Yahweh. Pharaoh even talks about it this way in Exodus 12, 31. Check this out. When he gets tired of the plagues and he calls Moses and Aaron in at night and he says, up, just go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Even Pharaoh understood there's going to be this transfer, this change of these people are living under my rule, and when they leave, they're going, to, they're going to now live under the rule of their God. They're going to obey and follow him instead of me, serve God instead of Pharaoh. It's not the only time that serving is talked about in this way in the Old Testament. It's all over Deuteronomy. You'll see it pop up a ton of times in that book. After the Exodus, when the next generation of Israelites is renewing their covenant with the Lord, Deuteronomy 10 says this, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today for your good. Similarly, in Joshua 24, you know this verse, actually. Um, Joshua is renewing that same covenant with his people now that they're in this new place. And he says, as for me and my house, we will... Serve the Lord. Yeah, exactly. We're going to live by your covenant stipulations. Psalms, you know, Adam opened up our service with Psalm 100. Psalm refers to us as servants, and we see that serving is a worshipful way to live within the covenant of God, our covenantal service to him. Um, the, the, in the prophets, even, Israel gets taken to court. That's what the prophets are doing for not faithfully serving the Lord and not meeting the requirements of the, the covenant but in fact, serving false gods. And so all throughout the Old Testament, there's some more passages you can kind of uh, take home and study um, later, but all throughout the Old Testament, there's this storyline of covenantal relationship between God and his people, and when they live by the requirements of that covenant, they are serving. But you might be thinking, that's all Old Testament? Aren't we doing a different thing now that we're in the new covenant with Jesus? That's a great question. I'd say, yeah, kind of. We are released from meticulously abiding by all 600 plus laws that are listed in Exodus and Leviticus because that's not where we get our righteousness or our salvation or our life or even the ability to obey. But we are still carrying out the spirit, the essence of that law. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 22 when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So friends, today we are still totally doing that, aren't we? That's what we're supposed to be living by. When we live this way, when we love the Lord and love people, we are serving God. Galatians 5 says this. 1 John 4 says exactly this. And then all the rest of the instruction of the New Testament details out how we're supposed to serve God within this new covenant, the stipulations, making disciples, sharing the gospel, forgiving people, and being gracious and hospitable and generous. This is how we serve God. God within the new covenant today as Christians. So all that to say, serving God is living by the stipulations of our covenant with the king. That was true then, it's true now, and that is what serving is, biblically. But we need a little more. If we don't quite understand why we're supposed to do all that, we might end up like 
the kids crew floor. Uh, look at this picture on the screen with me. If you've been, uh, parents or anybody in the faith center uh, have been through that area, I've noticed that we're having some trouble with our flooring in the kids crew area because the subfloor was under it. It's not quite right. And the f laminate flooring is it's not anchored down properly. And so this is happening. Uh, the concrete's not level, and there's this foam underlayment that's leaving the laminate kind of floaty and weak. And so it can't handle being walked on. It can't handle big, heavy chair racks rolling over it. It can't handle mops getting it wet. It needs to be glued down directly to something very solid. And the same thing can happen with our serving. We need our motivations, our reasons to be anchored to something sturdy and substantial, more trustworthy and stable than the approval of people or our own sense of self-righteousness, like we talked about earlier. Our serving needs to rest firmly on something true and consistent. And so I hope we can draw from our covenant discussion the conclusion that we serve because we are in a serious and precious relationship with the God of the universe. We serve because we are known and loved by our God, and creator, and king. We serve because he is righteous and holy, because he is our provider and our protector, our savior, my redeemer, our counselor, our healer, because he is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, ever-present. We serve because he has graciously redeemed us from the consequences of our sin, reconciled us through our rejection and our hostility toward him, and invited us into a loving presence through the incredible work of Jesus. Amen. We serve because he deserves our exclusive, faithful worship. All of our labor, the affections of our heart, and the fullness of our thoughts, the work of our hands. We serve because he is our God, the one true God. And so that is why we clean toilets. That is why we hold crying babies at church and serve and teach in second graders about Jesus on Sunday. That's why our tech guy was here till midnight on Thursday. That's why we open up our homes for our life groups and feed people and put out parking cones before the services each weekend. That's why we go to Mexico and the Philippines because who God is and the relationship that we have with him is that sure and secure thing. It's so much firmer than the flimsy, faulty motives of our flesh. Let me illustrate that in something I saw last weekend. I was really impressed by I saw somebody making the conscious decision to do just this, to not anchor to something flimsy, but to anchor to the Lord himself. This person was serving at church, needed to serve in both services, 9 a.m. and 11 that morning, and, and between services, a discouraging uh, comment came in, like, you're not doing this thing right. You didn't quite do that right. But they had to keep serving anyway, get back up for the 11 o'clock service. And I know that this servant loves the church deeply. It loves its people, loves you, loves Jesus, understands the importance of their ministry. But in that moment of hurt, you know, I really think a lot of us would want to call in sick and bail and say, you know what, I don't need that. I'm sick of that. Don't give me that. I'm out. So if we're serving primarily for the affirmation and feedback of other people, positive feedback of other people, then the frustration and disappointment of those moments can eclipse our reasons for being there in the first place. Make us want to quit. But as this person got ready to step back out into their role, I asked, hey, are you, you okay? You good? And I really appreciated and respected their reply when they said, yep, serving the Lord today. You know? That is the impetus that all of us need for our serving. If we are expecting the praise of others, the approval of a pastor, or a sense of self-righteousness to be the thing that propels us in obeying the Lord and ministering to his people, carrying out his mission, then we likely won't last. But when we serve the Lord, we're gonna find that stability and that strength to help build his church, even when we're discouraged by others or disappointed in ourselves. We can handle getting walked on, beaten up a little bit because we are glued to the foundation of our God. Jesus actually himself has a very similar discussion about improper motives with his disciples and one of their moms um, in the Bible. One of the moms asks Jesus, or tells Jesus rather, let my sons have a place of prominence. 
It's your right hand and your left in your, in your kingdom. It's a tough conversation to have, but Jesus responds really well when he says, you know, it's, that's a very worldly idea to pursue that kind of posture or status and prominence over other people. And that's just not how my kingdom works, actually. We don't serve for those reasons. Instead, Matthew 20, 26 to 28 says this, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying we don't serve for prominence, for notoriety, for selfish gain, for any, any human metric of success, actually. We serve because our Savior is himself the humble servant. There's one picture that I have of this in my mind uh, where a brother in Christ displayed this just beautifully. His name's Kevin Complin. He was the former lead pastor of a church I used to serve at up in the Bay Area, San Jose. And uh, he was called from that church to work for the Evangelical Free Denomination. It's a Midwest network of churches. Actually, it's global, but headquartered in the Midwest. And he was called to oversee their mission efforts for two whole continents, a really big job. And he served in that role with such integrity and effectiveness that he was then called to become the president of the whole denomination and accountable, responsible for 1,300 churches. Enormous task. This is a great man, a godly leader with tremendous capacity. And one Sunday, he and his wife happened to be visiting this, this church that he used to pastor, the church I was serving at. And I'm walking before the service. I'm walking through the, the nursery preschool area. And I'm a little bit surprised to see Pastor Kevin sitting in a rocking chair holding a crying baby with stinky diapers and the room's freaking out and it just drool down his shirt. That guy is doing that, holding a little baby, rocking kids on Sunday morning. That's the kind of serving that is chasing no status or self-gratification, but is rooted in and glued down to that foundation of our humble and selfless Savior who served the Father as the suffering servant who took on the sins of his people, dying so that we could live, freeing us from the guilt and shame that we so often try to work ourselves out of by serving, giving us this righteousness that we could never earn on our own and bringing us into the new covenant by his blood, into an eternally loving relationship with our God and King so that we could serve from our salvation and never for it. Kevin, Pastor Kevin, held babies that day because he held to that truth, and he served that God. And so, friends, let's hold on to that same truth when we're holding babies in the nursery, when we're teaching kids' crew. Let's let's keep that character of Christ in mind when we're parking cars before the service, when we're laying out snacks for people. Let's keep that picture in our prayers when we circle up in the lobby as a greeting team to welcome people in. Let's keep that in mind when we go out to sit with seniors at Baycrest. Let's keep that kingdom perspective when we're tempted to serve for prominence. And let's keep our service rooted in our Savior. Amen? Amen. Well, to get really practical with this, to start putting this into action and to lay out a handful of really cool opportunities where we can start working on this and and, uh, actually concretely build up the body of Christ, I want to invite out Pastor Greg to to share some opportunities with us. Thanks, Thanks, Pastor Pastor Dan. Really appreciate it. Hey, good morning, church. Um, Like Pastor Dan just mentioned, we have very practical ways where we would love to challenge and encourage the parts of the body to participate in God's purposes. And that's why we have this series called Bodybuilding. And it's so important that before we tell you what it is, that you understand the the real reason, the real motive we have to serve. And that's what Pastor Dan shared with us, that, that covenantal relationship with our Lord and our King. He has saved us, he has served us, and it's from that place that we serve, all right? So with that, um, I wanna share with you a what a why and a how regarding um, some exciting things in this church, a very significant time in the history of our church. And so here's the what. Let's start off with the what. So many of you know, and maybe you've experienced having to be turned away because there's just no more space in the worship center. So maybe one week you've come and you've had to be redirected to an overflow space in our faith center or in our lobby. And that's just a reality. And so we are often thinking about Um, space issues and thinking about 
the future. That's a concern we have. And by the grace of God, uh, we share this, this area, this, this property with neighbors. And one of our neighbors is a company called Honeywell. So if you know in the back here, we, we have Honeywell and they have many buildings over there. And one of the buildings that Honeywell has had is a cafeteria building. And so they serve their employees food there and they hold assemblies there. But because of COVID, shutting th- a lot of things down, one of the things they shut down was the cafeteria. So that's not really functioning. And once in a while, they'll still have assemblies. But for the most part, it's, it's widely unused. And so by the grace of God, uh, Honeywell has agreed to lease out that space to us, to South Bay Community Church. And what a timely uh, moment it is for us because we see a great need for it. And so let me show you a picture of what that space looks like. So here's the Honeywell cafeteria. Um, it looks like this currently. And we're hoping that by Easter, which is just three weeks away, uh, just not too long away from now, uh, we hope to turn it into a place where we can worship in. So here's um, some 3D images that Nicole helped us put together of how we'd like to transform that place. So we're not looking at a lot of time, talking about HGTV, like extreme makeover really quick. And so uh, we're going to fill it with couches and some tables and some chairs and we want it to be an option for people who come to either worship in here or to worship there. And so we want, we want it to be more than just an overflow. And so we're hoping to uh, have a worship team in there. Lauren Comez, our worship director, is working on building worship teams to lead us on Sunday morning. If you choose to worship there, that would require an audio-visual team, a tech team in there. We would like to have greeters in there and ushers and hospitality as well. And so we want a full worship experience in there. The only thing is the, the message will be streamed. So the message you get in here will be the message you get in there. And that's the only thing that's not live and in person, but you will get the same content, okay? And so it's going to be a very comfortable, intimate space. Um, Like I said, there's couches, tables, cafe tables. And I understand that some of you prefer to sit around a table and watch service from the screen. So I'm talking to you guys right there in the lobby right now as I speak. Week after week, there's many of you who choose to sit around a cafe table and watch the service out there. I don't get that. I don't know why. When you can just walk 50 feet over... And get this live. Why would you not, right? Like, why wouldn't you want that? But, hey, you do you and you worship how you best worship. And we, we just love that you're able to come and just be here with us. And so that's going to be a space where you can um, just worship the Lord in a different kind of setting together as one church, one family. All right. Um, speaking of uh, a warm, inviting uh, atmosphere, it's kind of like a living room or a coffee shop. Um, you can kind of expect that from that. And in fact, we're thinking of what do we call this place? And one of the names that uh, we've thought of was calling it the living room. Let's call it the living room. Or um, it's been thrown out instead of calling it Honeywell, let's call it the well, right? Because the well is where you go to get your thirst quenched and satisfied by living water. So those are some thoughts and um, ideas. We'd love to hear from you, suggestions. And so I'm going to tell you about a form in just a second where you can throw in your name suggestion. We'd love to look at that and consider everything. All right. So that's the what. And there's a lot more uses and purposes and functions of that space, which we'll share as as time goes on. But let me give you something more important, and that's the why. Like, why is that space so valuable to us? Why is it purposeful? And why do we need the church to, to all serve and participate in this together? So let me give you two good whys, good reason why, good reasons why. And the first is it it comes down to our mission, the mission of this church. And so number one, more seats equal more opportunity. The mission of this church, ever since Pastor Gary started this church 30 years ago, it has always been and will continue to be to help people who are far from God find and follow Jesus Christ That's why we exist. That's why we're here on earth, to help people know Jesus and go deeper in their walk with Jesus. We want breath, we want to reach people, and we want death. We want to go deeper. And so that mission is going to be fulfilled when we create opportunities for people who don't know him yet to come and hear Jesus preached, to hear the good news preached. 
And so opening up the space will allow us to have more seats so that somebody who has never accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior can come, sit, and hear what Christ has done for them. So more seats will equal more opportunity. There will be many reasons why a person doesn't give their life to Christ or doesn't even know Jesus. There's going to be a lot of reasons why. I pray that it's never because they didn't have the opportunity. May it never be because there was never a seat for them to sit in so that they can hear of what he's done, okay? So more seats equal more opportunity. Number two, let me give you another reason why. Because if the mission is what we're going to be about, we have to understand that the mission starts here, but ultimately it's got to go out there. It's got to go out there. If people are truly going to find Jesus Christ and follow him, then we have to expect that it's not always going to be them coming to us all the time. It's going to come from this commitment from us to go out to them. We have to be willing to go out to them. Um, one of the things that we have desired at this church is to plant churches. If, if God should will that for us and open those doors, we'd love to start satellite campuses. We love the fact that there's many of you who come from Palos Verdes or the Rolling Hills area. And you make that commute to church. Or a lot of you, it blows our mind, come from the San Gabriel Valley. You drive 30, 40, 45 minutes, 50 minutes to come to church. There are people here from the west side or from Orange County, and you're willing to make that commute, and we love that you do because for you, you love Jesus. It's worth it to you. You've counted the cost, and so you'll make that commute. But we realize that you probably have neighbors, and you have coworkers, then you have teammates, basketball teammates, baseball friends who don't go to church simply because they don't know Jesus, and therefore they don't love Jesus. And you'd love to tell them to come to church, but they may not want to drive 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes like you would for a guy they don't know. But what if we can go to them? And what if there was a church in your neighborhood that you could be excited about and invite them to? It's five minutes away from where they live. Then chances are we can reach people with the good news of Christ and preach the word so that they can come into this covenantal relationship with our king just like we have. Okay, so how does that have anything to do with Honeywell if Honeywell is here in Torrance in this geographical location? Well, we want you to understand that in light of the big mission, Honeywell is more than just an overflow space. It is going to be a place where we hope to really train up more servants to do tech, to do audiovisual, to, to learn how to greet, to learn how to worship lead. And so in, in, in a large picture kind of way we really see it as a training ground to raise up more servants to equip the church so that when we are ready and God is opening doors for us to go out we'll be able to send out servants because they've taken the time to to learn how to serve and also develop a missional mindset and so that's what it's about we want people to find Jesus and to follow him amen amen let's let's be about that so the last question is how Right, so that's the what, that's the why, but how. And so I'm going to bring out uh, a couple guests um, to really share with you some pressing opportunities that we have uh, need, need for servants in particular ministries. But before they come out, I'm going to put up a QR code for you. And so I'm going to ask everybody to do this. If you have a cell phone, I want to ask everybody to take out their cell phone um, at this moment. Just because I don't want to fly through this, I want to give you an opportunity. You're not obligated to do anything right now, okay? I'm just asking you to scan this, to pull up this electronic form on your phone, which is going to show you all the ministries at this church, all the ways you can get involved and served and, and serve and apply your gifts. Um, it's going to pull up for you. I just want you to have that on your phone. So in your time, and if you feel led and you're willing, let us know where you'd like to learn more information or get involved. And our ministry leaders or our staff will contact you in due time. So uh, they'll contact you. I want you to know when they're ready or that need arises. So that could be like next week because they, they need you next week. Or it could be like six months. But uh, give, give them time. Let's be patient with them. And they will contact you uh, when that need comes up. Okay? 
But to share with you some uh, pressing needs, we have some ministries that can really use some help as soon as possible. And so I want to welcome up, uh, this is Carlton Fukumoto and Nicole Hoshiko. So would you help me just thank them for their ministry and for the courage to come up because it's not always easy standing in front of a crowd. And so um, Carlton is representing the parking ministry here and the hospitality ministry this morning. And Nicole will tell us a little bit about the tech ministry. So let's start with Carlton. So Carlton, uh, we have a parking ministry at this church. Uh, what is the parking ministry? How would you summarize that? The, the parking ministry here at South Bay Community Church is um, the people that come, you know, to welcome people and, and to really um, provide, show people where the spaces are in this, in this massive facility that we have. And they get to enjoy the outdoors and on the weekends, and, and, and one of the things is when they come early, they set up the signs, and then they're the happy people that direct people to the best parking spaces at, in, the, in the lot. Yeah, so that's what it is. And now that we have more space that we'll be accessing, um, that's so important. But why? What's the purpose of a parking ministry? How does that fit in with the mission of this church? You know, parking ministry is so important to our church because it's really the first impression that all of you get of our church when you see someone out there to meet you or greet you or point you into the right parking lot. That really shows the warmth and the welcoming um, that South Bay Community Church has for all of you. And, and you know, it really is um, important that we show people the way and, and the way to find the church. Yeah. So that, that's a key thing that I want to highlight. Uh, we, we want warm, friendly people. Um, a lot of time, that first touch, that first uh, contact is going to decide for them if they want to be here or not. They can have a bad experience in the parking lot and decide, you know what, I might be here physically, but my heart's checked out. So, so if that's you, consider how you can get involved. And so tell us, what are the needs right now? What roles yeah, need to be filled? Yeah. There's, the needs right now are really pressing at the 11 o'clock service or on Sundays where we need more um, parking attendants out in the parking lot. And we are planning to start utilizing the Honeywell parking lot, which has an additional 100 parking spaces. And a lot of you have no idea where that is. So we would like to have attendants to help guide you there. And, um, you know, this is going to be the prime parking space for a lot of you. And, um, you know, this ministry is going to help all of us. And... Curtis, um, the ministry director, he needs about five to seven more people um, for each service um, just to help be your guidance. And, you know, if you join this ministry, it's a lot of fun. You'll get to meet others, and you get to help direct people into the presence of God. Awesome. So Carlton is going to be in the lobby. We have some serve stations outside in the lobby along the wall. So you'll see a big banner that says parking. Um, some of the team members will be there to answer questions. Uh, there's also a physical form, so if you don't like the electronic QR form um, and you just like a hard copy, you could fill this out and then turn it into them, all right? Um, thanks, Carlton. And this is Nicole, and it's so important that you know what she does. She is the brain behind all the technology here at this church. Um, she's going to tell you more about that. She is a tech genius in my mind. Anytime I know when I have a question, I don't know what to do, I go to her and she always produces the answer. So, um, I call her Tech Nicole because she's everything technical at this church. You see what I did there? Yeah, that's a God thing. That's a God thing. So, Nicole, tell us uh, what tech ministry does. Like, what is it here? Sure. Uh, well, first, I think you should also thank Google because I usually go straight to Google when you ask <laughs> me you, most Google. of those questions. So, thank you, Google. Um, yeah, tech ministry here, um, we do everything technical. It's in the name. But... Uh, if you don't know what all that includes, that includes running the lights, um, all the cameras and video uh, producing, and the sound. Uh, we have backstage managers as well that are uh, communicating with our booth and with our pastors backstage. And so they're running all of that. And we do that for just the weekend services, um, but also for special events. So we have memorial services. We have worship nights. Um, anytime there's a need that arises, uh, they just let us know, and we have our team for that. Awesome. So... That's a little bit of what they do. Um, why do we do it? Like, why do we need tech? How does that fit in with the mission of what God has called us to? Well, like you mentioned, the mission of our church is to help people all over the world find and follow Jesus Christ. And we think that we can do that in um, 
without technology, of course we can, like they did it in the Bible and you know, their numbers increase daily. But we believe that right now in our society, uh, God has given us this, this tool and this gift to utilize. And so we do that for probably two main reasons. Um, our first reason is we exist to help all of you here, uh, physically here, have a distraction-free uh, just worship experience um, while you're here in the worship center. And so you don't wanna be seeing flickering lights or random things going on and off the screen. And so we work really hard to produce that uh, distraction-free environment for you. And we, um, we do so with excellence. And so you have no idea, but there are people talking on comms right now, making sure all of that is going on and all of that is happening um, really smoothly. And we also do that online. And so there's many of you who uh, worship with us online each weekend, and we love that, and we're so thankful for that. And we realized um, through the pandemic that we had to go um, that route as well. Um, but we also know that there's, um, we may never know who those people are, and we may never meet them face to face, but we're just going to do our part, and we're going to trust God with the rest to, to do what he's going to do. Yeah, it's, it's become in, in this day and age where, now, watching online is kind of the front door to the church. Many of you came after you checked it out online. You watched services to find out what, what are they about, what do they teach, uh, are they legit? And so that's oftentimes the front door. And so we thank God for technology. Um, what else? Uh, is there any other purpose for a tech ministry? Yeah, uh, one thing that I really love about the church is that we're one body, but many, many different parts. And uh, what I love about the tech ministry itself is that it creates that opportunity for people to serve who maybe don't feel like they fit in a different ministry within our church. And so if you feel like you're more uh, task or detail oriented, or maybe you're a little more introverted, you're not comfortable welcoming people or um, talking to a lot of people, but you want to serve somehow, um, or maybe there's, yeah, you just haven't found that place to serve yet. Tech ministry is actually really great for that. And I know for myself and for many people on our team, uh, we weren't sure where to serve and we felt like sometimes our personalities or how we were wired were a hindrance to serving. When in fact, right now we're all realizing like, no, God created us this way so that we can serve the church and serve the body in this way and um, help to build you guys up every time that you're here. So yeah. it's definitely a good place for that. Yeah. Um Nicole was wired to be technical. You see what God did there? Amen. <laughs> That's so corny. All right, uh, Carlton, we'll go back to you. And uh, you're also representing uh, hosp hospitality ministry, right? Um, I know we flipped that, but um, what is hospitality ministry? Because hospitality means a lot of things to, uh, to us. It means uh, li literally a love for strangers. But in this church, it has a particular role. So what, what does that ministry look like? Taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> um, hospitality here at South Bay Community Church is um, um, we prepare the food and snacks for all of us. Um, they also um, prepare the tables and they make the refreshing coffee and make the hot water for all of us. And sometimes they put juice out for you. Know, for you. And the one thing that they want to make sure of is that you know that hospitality is not cooking. So this ministry is not a cooking ministry. Um, so by volunteering here, this is a good one for you. Um, serving here at the end of service, they also clean up. That's the important part of hospitality. Awesome. So um, how does that fit in with, you know, the mission of the church? Why do we even need a ministry like that? You know, at South Bay Community Church, it's... What you find is that we are very warm, and, and this ministry is a ministry that um, shows that warmth and the provisions of God. Uh, the people here um, in hospitality, you know, they, all of us know we want to be served. We like to be served. It's, it just brings joy to us to be served, and in hospitality, you get to serve the, the snacks that are brought, um, and, and you get to um, help people to see God in this way, and, and this is the goodness of the Lord. Um, it's, you know, in hospitality, you're the heart and the hands of God. Um, this is really um, an important part where you're serving God's, um, you are God's family. Um, people in this ministry are just serving all of you. And, um, you know, it's, it's good that this is, um, hospitality is the heart of God. And that's the, in the purest sense, that's what hospitality is. Awesome. So some people are like, I, I think I could do that. So what are the current needs and roles that need to be yeah. filled? 
Um, as you know, since we are expanding the roles, um, there's quite a few um, needs in hospitality and bolstering up the 11 a.m. service on Sundays is uh, one of the key ones. And in this ministry, you serve once a month. You serve on a regular team, so you form a little ministry in, within the hospitality. And, and, and hopefully this ministry speaks to you, so right now you're thinking it's time to sign up. And, you know, you help show um, the hospitality of Christ through this ministry. Um, if you want to serve the family here as the heart and the hands of God, um, this is a great one for you to, to join. Um, you know, it's, it's wonderful that we have this. And, um, you know, just coming to church and serving the tables and, and things like that. So we really think that it really shows people God, God's yeah. heart. How many of you guys are thankful that there's food after service? So, yeah, amen. <laughs> amen. Thanks, thanks to the hospitality team. I know some of you guys, that's your favorite part of the weekend service. And so you'll leave the service early to get in line first. Shame on you. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but thank God for hospitality. Once again, they'll be out in the lobby along with some other uh, servants and volunteers to answer your questions and to um, get you involved if that's, if that's how God's leading you. All right. Um, one, more, one more question. Pastor Dan, you um, mentioned there's a lot of ways to serve, um, even beyond our official ministries here at the church. What are some other ways on that form that you pulled up that uh, we, we can get involved and share? Yeah, there's a whole other category or type of serving opportunity in front of us we're discovering lately. Um, we, we have Honeywell that's going to be kind of project and location oriented, and we have these ongoing, continuously running you know, scheduled ministries. And then there's like this whole third breed of service opportunity that we're going to call serve pools, where the staff and our existing teams just keep running into these situations where we feel like the, the, uh, the moment is beyond our capacity, or we don't know who to call, or what resources or, or, or places to reach out to when we need some help for something. And so we would like to build up uh, about seven or eight serve pools uh, with specializations. If you have any experience or training uh, in these areas or even just interest and ability uh, we, in medical or um, in homelessness and social services or in preparing food or things like that, we'd love for you to sign up and let us know um, that you'd be able to help. A couple examples of where this has showed up where we, we've needed help. Um, recently we had a, a, a kid um, get injured on a Sunday morning and there just happened to be a doctor in the room praise the Lord for that but what would we do if there wasn't we, we need a, to develop our list of medical people our nurses and our doctors and EMTs so that we can quickly make a call and fish that pool and, and make sure that we've got the medical attention we need or, uh, we often get requests for automotive help if somebody can't afford to repair their car or they get stuck in our parking lot after the service, which kind of happens a lot. Uh, it'd be nice to have a list of mechanically oriented people to call and say, hey, can you come do a, you know, a, an alternator on Saturday or whatever it is. Um, we've got a brother in the church who's recovering from um, some nerve and muscle damage and isn't able to cook right now. And so we would love for anyone who, who enjoys preparing food or doesn't mind going to the grocery store to get, get this guy some food until he's back up and running, you know? So we would like to make pools that are oriented around those types of situational needs. Realistically, these kind of needs come at us maybe once or twice a month. Is that fair mm -hmm. to say? Mm -hmm. And um, we would just love to have a place to go, a pool to fish when, uh, when these things come up. And so uh, we're asking you to just say what you're good at and what you, you're okay with being available for. And then when these needs arise, uh, we'll, we'll blast the whole group and say, hey, we, we've, got, we've got a situation. If anybody can attend to it, you just kind of email back and say, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'll, I'll help with this one. So that would be tremendously helpful for the season ahead. Yeah. And so um, that's under special skills and resources. And just once again, they're not official ministries. This is just you saying, hey, here's some skills I have, some resources I have that I'd, I'd love to use to help bless the church. And so um, you let us know if you don't see what you do there, but you'd like to offer, there's a drop down menu or a way that you can communicate what you have to offer. And I love that because in the church, we read in Acts chapter two, um, there's both the aspect of being given spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit, um, according to the grace of Christ that we are to use to serve the body. And then we also read about how they would just share. They would do community and what I have, what I have is yours and what you have is mine. And, and we're just we're family. We're, we're, we're making sure that no one is in need. And so that's a great way for us to serve because of what Christ has done for us. Amen. So with that, we just want to wrap this up and just encourage you to consider, to, to really consider and think upon what Pastor Dan taught us, right? We're in this covenant relationship with the King of Kings. What a privilege 
to know him and to be able to serve him. We, we serve him because he served us. He served the Father by serving us, by dying on that cross and saving us from our sins. Amen? Amen. So I pray that we, we, we would respond and give our life uh, to his service. And, um, you know, it's not because of guilt or any pastoral pressure or needing to please anybody but the king of kings. I, I love that um, illustration that Pastor Dan opened up with the, the, the volleyball serve and how that important that is to the game. And as he was sharing that, you know, it reminds me of this fact that probably many of you don't know about me, but I actually played on the tennis team at West High. I was on the tennis team, and it only lasted one year. And the reason why I don't talk about it is because I didn't play. I was on the team. I was on the roster. I got a uniform, but I didn't play. Why? Because I, I, it came down to this. It boiled down to this because I couldn't serve. I, I, my serve was terrible. Like I could barely get it into the, the, the box. And so because I couldn't serve, there was no play. And so they rarely put me in to competitively play against the other schools. So after a while, I just felt really disconnected from the team, disengaged. And I felt like I didn't belong. And so I stopped playing tennis. Haven't played since. Uh, but it, what's cool is... Uh, a few weeks ago, you know, I learned that a lot of us in this church, you play pickleball. And so I was invited out to the pickleball course. And what I love about this game is that I can finally serve. I, it's so easy. You just, it's so easy to get in. And my, my kids came and my daughters could serve and my son could serve. Anybody who has a paddle in pickleball can serve. And when you do, you can enjoy the game, the thrill of, of, of pickleball and interacting and fellowshipping and being part of the game. What I love about the fact that we are in this covenant relationship with our king is if you are, his spirit lives in you. And if his spirit is in you, then you can serve. Anybody with the spirit of God in them can serve. And I pray that you do in light of what he has done for you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let me close in prayer, and let's continue to worship. Join me in prayer. Father God, we thank you so, so much for what Christ has done for us on the cross. You served us. You laid your life down, gave it up by shedding your blood so that the veil could be torn. We could have a a way to, to our God and creator. And God, you didn't stay dead. You conquered the grave. You are alive. You are king of kings and Lord of lords. And God, you invite us in to, to this amazing privilege to, to work with you, to serve with you. You brought us into the body of Christ. We are body parts, gifted and equipped to be part of your greater purpose. So help us to do that well. Help us to do it joyfully. And just to be excited about that. And Lord, we, we understand our service is our worship to you. That, that's how we declare your worth. So we want to worship you in any way we can. And one of the ways we do it is, is just by singing out to you. So Lord, we do that now with every breath in our lungs. Lord, all that we have, we want to use it to praise you. We worship you because you're worth it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.